Hello, this is Emma Knights, Chief Executive at National Governance Association with the first governing chatters of the new school year. Um, and with me, I've got Sam Henson, our Director of Policy and Communications. Hi, everyone. And Steve Edmonds, our Director of Advice and Guidance. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be looking at um, some of the challenges that uh, we in the school sector are facing and particularly you um, on your governing boards um, that will be facing and no doubt spending a lot of time um, considering uh, because we really do think there are some challenges um, ahead of us. What a huge amount of change we've had recently. A new prime minister a new Secretary of State for Education um, and, of course, um, most recently, the sad death of our Queen. Um, so, perhaps um, a time uh, of reflection, um, but also our schools are continuing day in, day out to educate uh, young people. We've been doing work over the summer um, and, well, rather a lot of work on all sorts of different fronts, including updating um, various uh, pieces of guidance uh, for you, but also uh, analysing our annual governance survey, which we undertake every summer term and then publish at this point of the year. Uh, so, Sam, your team's been particularly involved um, in these reports and last um, Friday saw the, the first one being um, published on multi-academy trust governance. Why don't you give us um, a feeling about, of uh, the, the key findings from, from that report? What do they tell us about what's in the Secretary of State's in-tray? Well, thanks, Emma. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, once again, we've published a report um, from the from the survey, the results of the survey, which is just dedicated to MAC governance and what's going on in multi academy trust generally. Um, the the report looks at a number of different elements, um, different themes that are, are emerging um in relation to, to multi-academy trust so um obviously uh, one of the things that we've covered in quite some depth is how governance in in trusts work thinking about how the the different layers uh within the mac governance structure are, are working together and uh, the, the the ins and outs of local governance um uh, uh, and how that's how that works in, in practice and um, we've covered things uh, such as um how um those tiers within uh, the, the, the the governance structure communicate with each other. We've also looked at the views and the feelings of those governing within MATS, how they actually feel about their trust, the, the perceptions that they have of, of their trust. Uh, and on top of that, we've also looked at things like um, uh, growth and money um, and also the appetite for um, schools that are not yet part of the trust and, and whether they how they feel about um, potentially um, joining a trust in the future or not, what their views are, um, uh, and so on. So we've covered lots and lots of different things. Uh, obviously, we can only uh, give a very quick snapshot of that that today. But I think for me, Emma, one of the most interesting parts really was um, the findings around local governance. Uh, I think um, there, um, 
we we got a real wealth of information out of that and what what it showed us is that there is a huge commitment to local governance among trusts um that if anything is is increasing over time and we we've we we, we've seen that because we've been able to uh, we've been asking these questions for a number of years now and um 90 percent of respondents told us that their trust was committed uh, to local governance um and uh, uh, just three percent didn't um but we also saw um on top of that um uh, almost almost all of mats are um sticking to a, a very well-known um, way of doing governance at local level um, whether that is the the what the one committee for one school model um, uh, which uh, 91% of mats uh, are using or whether it was a, a model based a well-known model based on uh, federation governance uh, and six percent using that where they've got uh, one committee look, looking after a number of schools. So we, I think what we've been able to see um, is that there's been this really consistent picture emerging over time, um, but but it all comes together to show that actually uh, the, MAT, the MAT system is very much committed uh, and um, uh, utilising uh, that, that, that uh, local tier of governance. And I think it's become really a, a key part of, of the MAT story to date. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really important that we keep saying that and emphasizing that because out there um, in the wider, the wider schools community, sort of outside us governance geeks, um, I still hear time and time again, oh, we don't really know what local governors should be should be doing, which is a worry in itself because there should be a scheme of delegation for every trust, which does make it clear what local governors should be doing. But more broadly now, this work with the annual survey, but also your work between times, pulling together all our knowledge from from different uh, parts of the work that we do, um, shows really clearly um, uh, that local governance has some sort of key functions. And you've written about this. I'm thinking, oh, have we talked about this in a podcast before when you set out the expectations on, on local governance? So those people that follow everything we publish, may have picked up on that but I think it's really important that we do keep saying that it's probably quite repetitively now actually we do know what local governors are tending to do and what we need to do is make sure that it's done well everywhere and it's done meaning um, uh, fully. Yeah and we've I think we've been doing a lot of thinking on this over the last year um uh, I mean, we always do, I, I guess, but I think over the last year with the with the white paper and um, uh, obviously the 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 inclusion within that that the department was going to look at um, how to strengthen local governance and how to utilise um, local governance um, going forward. So obviously, we've been involved in lots and lots of conversations this year, perhaps more than ever, um, and and so I think this topic's been. Right, right there uh, uh, con- as a as a constant uh, for us this year. Um, but but like you say, Emma, I think we've we've built up this really good picture over time, um, and it it means that we we've got those answers that I think some people, some trusts, um, and some others in the sector are still sort of trying to to look and almost reinvent the wheel. And actually, we've we, we've got it there. It's it's very clear um, that 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 trusts are. are uh, committed to this model, um, and that there's several things that um, 
uh, by and large are are uh, very much being applied across the piece. So uh, one of the things that really came through in the survey this year, for example, was the the role that um, uh, the the local tier has in monitoring pupil outcomes. Uh, I think that was ninety five percent. Uh, of Matt said that, that they use that in the local tier and then a, a very high percentage 93% said they used um, stakeholder engagement that was a role for the local tier so we've, we this is coming through really loudly and really clearly so I think we've built up this really good picture over time and Steve I know that obviously you're, you you govern in a trust as well and I think you said that that's that's something that you're quite familiar with with your trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there are real grounds for optimism here, and I know we'll we'll probably end up talking later about things we're less optimistic about and things that are really challenging in the sector right now. But I really feel like there's been been a sea change in 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 the in the conversations that take place in the sector, and, and not just that the wider awareness, which which Emma's quite right, we need to keep keep at when it comes to understanding what local governance is and how in, what you know the important role that it plays for for trusts, individual schools and, and communities. I, I, I'm experiencing uh, both on a professional level and, and at trustee level, uh, much more rich and informed conversations now about, about local governing. And it's great to see, it's great to hear, it's great to experience. Um, and I think we've just got to keep, whether the white paper has something to, you know, has something to do with that, I'm sure it has. I don't think it's the full story. I think that, you know, that that real, you know, leadership that, that, hopefully NGA has provided and others indeed, uh, you know, to provide that, you know, that greater uh, level of evidence and, 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 and knowledge. I think that's really leading to to more informed debates um, about local governance. And that, that can only that can only help, can't it, with, the, you know, the evolution of what is still a relatively young system. So it's one of the things that I am optimistic about at the beginning of term, actually. And I think we've got this, this grounds to be optimistic. Absolutely. And there's so much more information now than there was, say, 10 years ago when two things happened. Really, one is we we thought that um, local governance was going to be reinvented in some very innovative way. And we were all quite sort of, you know, interested to see what might might happen. And as Sam said, hasn't really happened. But secondly, there were real worries that actually local governance was just going to wither and that people say, well, what's the point of it? We don't need governors at at all. um, and actually, that hasn't proved to to be the case. So yes, thank you to all of you who are governing at um, the school level. It's at academy level. It's as absolutely um, as critical as it's as it's ever um, been. Um, and Sam, the thing that was um, picked up uh, by the press wasn't um, your point about local governance so much. It was more the, the point about um, conversions um, to Matt joining joining Matt. So say say a few words um, about yeah. our findings there. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, really, really interesting picture. I think again emerging, uh, really of of, of the, the general willingness of um, schools, whether that whether they be um, single academy trusts or whether they be maintained schools, who are considering whether or not to join or form a trust. Um, and I, I think what's really come through um, is that the the appetite to to become part of a trust um, reveals quite a split perspective in, in many ways. On, on the one hand, we're seeing a, a record number of schools that are considering um, whether the, this is the right thing for, the, for them to do as a school. Um, 
uh, and and then uh, a, a, a fairly big um, percentage of those deciding to go ahead with it. But while I say record number, um, you know, we uh, reported previous in previous uh, last year that 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 number was actually really small. So although it's although it is a record number, it's still a, a really uh, quite a subdued rate of overall really um so i think um what, what it goes to show is that the um that there's still a lot of um consideration to be done by lots and lots of schools out there there's still lots of schools um who who haven't decided to go down this route and and what we are what we've been hearing over the last year and i think what the survey really backed up is that there is still a, um, a lack of evidence for, for many schools and or, that's really persuaded them on not whether this is the, the time to, to go and, and do this. Because obviously the government um, uh, had been wanting uh, all schools to be joining MATS or have agreed to join um, MATS by, by 2030, but the um, latest uh, uh, rumours in the press at the moment are that um, the new government, as it were, the new Conservative government, um, that might not be quite so high up their priority list. As we're going to talk about in a moment, there's a whole bunch of other challenges facing the school sector. Um, And given the really, really rocky ride that the bill had during um, the House of Lords, and of course, a number of clauses were were taken out by the, the Lords, it may be that actually this vision isn't as high up the list and that the schools bill is possibly delayed. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, we have to be um, very uh, um, re- reflective of, of the, 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 the current circumstances that schools are operating out of at, at the moment. Um, you know, so it's not just it's not just what the government is facing. It's not just what um, uh, is 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 going on from a, a central point of view. It's you know there's, the, the schools themselves uh, have have a huge number of distractions going on, um, and I, I think you know that combined will mean it will be a really interesting time to see how how the the rate of academisation. Um, actually materializes in in practice you know we we although we we started off this year i think very much thinking about um the, the, what the white paper was saying and 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 that 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 push uh, that for for the government's drive for academization i think um given the given the what what you've just talked about emma and 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 the other things that we're going to talk about at the moment with the the cost of living crisis and and so on I think all of these all of these factors combined um, are potentially going to mean that we're going to see um, that that rate of academisation slowing down. Yes, it's it's definitely a watch this space, isn't it? Um, and it does strike me we have had so many conversations with the uh, department, both with the um, minister uh, uh, responsible for the academisation uh, policy. Uh, Baroness Barron, but also with a huge number of different teams of officials um, on a whole range of things that that is in the white paper, um, but particularly that very controversial issue of regulation 
and how should trusts be regulated? And given, you know, it's a large amount of money, quite rightly, that's put into um, trusts to educate uh, uh, pupils. Education is such a key public service. It does need to be clearly regulated. So that that topic can't go away completely, can it? But it's how, how will that play out um, over the next um, term? Uh, term or so. But before we leave um, uh, trust, it was perhaps one last um, uh, point you might um, uh, want to to make, which was that finding around um, engagement with parents and communities, which which did jump out for me. I didn't expect it uh, to be going backwards. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, it re- really interesting to see most most of the statements that um, people made about being in their trust were uh, we saw things moving in in the the right direction. And um, I think you know we we, we really need to um, uh, uh, point point that out. Um, but the there were there were a couple of things actually that um, I think um, pointed to a, a slightly different picture and things maybe not moving um in in the direction that we thought they would do and and that i think the, the the decreasing number of respondents who felt that their mat effectively engaged with parents and the and the community overall i think that was that was something emma that, that took us all by surprise actually um so we we saw that only 55 percent this year um agreed with that statement and that compared to 62 percent in 21 and 64 percent in 2020 so we've now had uh, a, a gradual decline in that over over the last uh, couple of years so that that really bucks that trend set set and the the, the the previous time around the, uh, the 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 pandemic we were all talking about the increased levels of engagement at that time and that being really one of the the silver linings of of the the, the pandemic and i think you know we all thought things were moving in the right direction so i think it's it's really interesting to see that 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 shift and i'm not sure we totally know the reason why and you know we could speculate and i think there's 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 lots of potential uh, reasons maybe different different factors that have, have have come into that um but i think it, it it does go to show that you know one year just because you see an improvement one year doesn't mean it's always going to carry on going in the right direction and we do uh, over the years with the the survey we have seen some things go up and down um, and um, progress isn't always, you know, on a continual tra- trajectory in one direction, is it? So I think let's let's wait and see next year what that says. Um, but clearly, lots of room uh, in the sector to keep that debate going and and to keep talking about how maps can look to engage um, their 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 stakeholders uh, more going forwards. Absolutely. Practice just does need to improve on on that front, um, doesn't it? And that is um, quite a nice segue into our second report, which we are publishing just today on um, volunteers 
who who governs and some governance um, uh, practice because we also cover a little bit more of um, stakeholder engagement in that um, uh, report and I just thought it was worthy of of mentioning mentioning the fact of, um, that um, there is definite definite room for for improvement um, in a lot of um, uh, schools we did see continuing engagement with um, parents um, and the acknowledgement that engaging pupils was really hard and they wanted to do more but with staff there was an interesting contradiction I think that's sometimes what we get in in surveys as well isn't it why we take so much time reflecting on them that some questions give you a slightly different idea from others um, because we had a question that told us that staff were the least challenging group to engage with and yet the data on what people had actually done to listen to different groups showed us that actually staff were being approached uh, less often than parents. So I wonder whether there's a little bit there of taking staff engagement for granted. Oh, they are here, so we must be doing it. We must be talking to them. When really things such as, for example, a staff survey is not necessarily common common practice that a lot of people are seeing the results of parental surveys but not as many governing boards are seeing results for example of of staff surveys steve did you want to did yeah you want to I, I, yeah just there? well you just make you, you're just making me think a little bit because um you know we've, we've been through covid haven't we that period when you know we everything changed schools did you know state stayed open uh for, for for or partially open uh, and, and we're di- you know doing such important work to maintain co- continuity of education i think you know that, that the national appreciation of of those who work in schools particularly teachers you know d- just grew uh, and grew but also that awareness of just how much workload uh, there is the, and i wonder if some of this is is about those governing our schools trying to get the balance right uh, and trying to do engagement in a way that isn't adding you know with unintended consequences to the burden of 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 a of a teacher or a member of staff's uh day i, I mean i i've no uh, evidence of my own to support that but it, it, ever since the survey results uh you know were released and it has has occurred to me that this is slightly at odds with you know what we all the conversations that we have you know we're privileged to have so many conversations with with those governing whether it's events or in different forums and and you know that awareness and that you know um high prioritization and regard that they have for staff welfare comes through in almost all of those conversations so i i, I don't think it's a lack of um appreciation or understanding of just how important it is uh, some, you know, maybe it has something to do with just getting a balance right and, and creating the right type of industry to to ensure that staff have the opportunity without adding to their workload. Yeah, no, that 
that makes that makes sense and and we do produce don't we a number of resources to help people do that in a in an effective way that isn't too time consuming for for everyone because you're absolutely right the last thing boards want to do is to add add pressure un, unnecessarily um the other the other big issue from the um uh, second report that i want to mention is the challenge of recruiting volunteers um again this is a perennial one i think if we were doing this podcast any year since the very first um survey in 2011 that we would have been raising the challenge of of recruiting volunteers but it is getting um uh, more and more challenging over over the years to the point that now with this report we have got um, the highest uh, rate of vacancies since we started recording um, in this in this way um, and that is despite boards becoming smaller in size um, so you might think if there were fewer places to fill you would have fewer vacancies but that's not that's not what the data um, uh, tells us uh, so we're um, really thinking uh, again about how we can help support um, boards in the recruitment tasks that you have locally um, and we'll be doing more work both uh, as part of our visible governance campaign and also as part of the everyone on board campaign um, to support your work locally but we are also in conversation with the Department for Education um, including with the Minister and in our first meeting with the Secretary of State, we will be bringing this up as well, that the time really has come for the government to play its part in this. The general public aren't as aware as we'd like them to be of this um, opportunity. And we found um, that more and more people are staying on and governing for longer. And for that, you know, thank you very much. We would be in an even bigger crisis if you weren't um, doing doing that. But in order to make this sustainable, we are really looking to the government um, to undertake a national marketing um, uh, programme. Yeah, it's got to be a team effort, hasn't it? it, uh, it we, we, we have our part to play, those of us who govern. And um, I, I've been thinking about this, as you know, Emma, because um, over the summer, one of my jobs has been to update uh, our succession planning guidance uh, for, for you know, planning planning your next your next chair or who, who will succeed who will succeed the chair um, and we we we've been pleased to to work in collaboration with inspiring governance and governance for schools on that on that guidance and it's really made me think not just about the challenge of succession planning in this in this climate but just how how we how we get the message right because we i don't want to be uh, and I, we shouldn't be too glib about the about the challenge and just say well there are succession planning activities that work um you know all you need to do is these things and um that that you will ensure a succession plan uh that provides continuity of leadership wouldn't that be wonderful um but what uh, i i think has has really hit home to me just researching this guidance is is perhaps um, the number of boards that are aware of the things that they can do uh, to build succession into their into their strategic routine, so to speak, but perhaps 
haven't given some of the potential solutions enough of a go, enough of a chance. And I, I totally understand why that is the case with, with all the competing demands and, and the ch- other challenges of governance. But um, I really think alongside the, this, you know, this national effort, you know, government supported effort to, to raise a profile of governance and bring in the next generation of, of governors, trustees and board leaders, um, we, we're duty bound to do our bit. Uh, and, and maximise those opportunities. And, and I think hopefully the guidance will just sort of convey how we can do that uh, in a way that isn't so labour intensive or or distracting uh, that, that it feels like something we have to, we, we can only put to one side. Um, it, a really interesting conversation. I know we'll be continuing next week in a webinar. Absolutely. No, that's a really good, um, really good point to to say that this term's um, governance uh, leadership forums are around this whole issue of how do we make governance um, sustainable? How do we recruit and how do we um, uh, achieve diverse boards? So I was going to say something about diversity now, but I'm going to um, leave that for those forums which you've timely uh, reminded me of um, Steve so that we can get on and talk about funding money because that really does seem to be absolutely the biggest issue out there um, at the moment doesn't it it really does uh, and, and I'm wondering if it would be if I'd rather talk about something else actually you said you've given us time to talk about this but the economic climate really is bleak we don't need telling that don't we we're all aware of that in our own personal context I think professionally I, I can't recall uh, a period where um, school finances and budgets have been more challenged than they are right now um, and you know and that is after uh, what I heard somebody refer to as the ABC decade of austerity, Brexit and COVID. You know, we we, we now have uh, a situation where, you know, inflation is rampant, likely to reach 13 um, percent. The impact that's had on, on the progress uh, that school funding is making uh, per pupil funding, I'm talking about, to return to 2010 levels is that it, we're no longer on track for that to happen. Just saying that, I've said that a few times recently. I know, you know, we have in different different forums, but every time I say it, I'm still quite taken aback by that statement that the, the, the amount of per pupil funding that schools receive is less in real terms than it was over a decade ago. Mm. It's it's quite something to take in. And inflation, and you know, it's had, a, had something to do with that. Um, but also it means that supplies and services are becoming increasingly unaffordable for schools. Um, we had to take teacher pay increases announced at the uh, uh, in the summer, um, 9% for, for, for new teachers or around 9% and, and 5% uh, for for experienced teachers and, and leaders, you know, so nowhere near where inflation uh, is at, but uh, also more than schools had budgeted for what they're expecting uh, to be. So that you know that, that adds to the challenge. Um, and there, I just think for for those of us governing, I don't think there's ever I can ever recall a more intense focus on us uh, and around the spending decisions that we're having to make or the choices we're having to make. Uh, between keeping our schools operational 
meeting the needs of our pupils and and and, and keeping our staff employed and all of, all of this in a backdrop of you know growing levels of poverty child poverty uh it's becoming it's becoming harder to bear so um this is this is something that you know we're all uh, sector organisations have, you know, joined joined together almost in one voice and said, "Look, the government needs to step up and and help." We had the announcement last uh, Thursday uh, that there will be an energy uh, price freeze that that uh, that would uh, schools would be uh, eligible for. We, we're waiting for a bit more detail on on that. It doesn't solve the affordability issue, but it was a welcome uh, announcement. Uh, nevertheless, but at the, at the same time, uh, those of us like myself, I know Sam's in this category as well. We serve on finance and resource committees. Uh, we're having to revisit our, our budget projections and our, and our forecasts, and and really um, think uh, about uh, about how we can you know maintain our schools and trusts as, as going concerns in the most difficult of circumstances. Um, and I just wonder, you know, now if we've reached the point where uh, the, the expectations on governance in terms of, you know, financial planning and risk management, uh, ensuring that we stay afloat, are actually realistic anymore. I'll put that out there right now. Um, you know, we take the core function we take very seriously, but um, there isn't a huge menu of options. And, um, you know, we really need to, to come back and take a, a, you know, as we've said countless occasions before, take a long, hard look at, at, at school funding and the sustainability of school funding, uh, maybe from first principles, um, because uh, yeah, the survey data, I mean, Sam, you want to come in there, because I think the survey data backs that up in terms of what schools are expected to do in today's society. It does, and and uh, yeah, I think um, it, it really backs it up. And I know we we will be coming back to that in in a in a future podcast. And uh, but I do think one thing that that really struck me as you were talking, Steve. I think it's the it's the it's the the challenge of the here and now. But then it's also not having a clue how long this situation is going to last for. And I think that it, you know. As, as a trustee or a governor, you're there thinking both in terms of this academic year, but also very much wanting to build your organisation up for future generations. And I think that's a real fear uh, at the moment for, for, for governors, trustees, leaders is actually, you know, even if we can get through this um, uh, and even if we do weather the storm, what what does it mean in terms of where our organisations at in you know five ten years time? Um, you know that 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 kind of time period goes go, flies by, doesn't it, really quickly? It, it but does. I think it, that that lack of investment, I think um, you know, it, it doesn't take long for that to to become, take a real stronghold on on an organisation, and I think it, it become increasingly difficult to to get out the implications of that. Well, that's true. And I think if we go back to a conversation we were having a few moments ago about the vision, uh, the government's vision for all schools in a, in a trust by 2030 and you know how that, how that might play out in the immediate future and certainly over the coming years, um, I think even for the casual observer, it's difficult um, to imagine 
how that objective or how that vision can be achieved in the current financial climate because that does not lend itself uh, to growth and development uh, of trusts. And we spent so much time, haven't we, all the sector, particularly us in NGO over the last few months, imagine, trying to imagine what a, a whole trust system would look like and the ecosystem. Uh, and, and you need the right conditions for that ecosystem to thrive. And, and they absolutely aren't... Uh, the right conditions right now, and I think, you know, if, if there is there is some consensus uh, consensus that that uh, the the mat structure comes in, and indeed evidence I should say that the mat structure comes into its own in situations like this, you know, because you, there are advantages of scale and uh, and 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 it, you know it's it's often seen as a more resilient model, but I don't think there's that widespread confidence. I think you're absolutely right, um, Sam, that. The mat structure, even the mat structure, and it, it, you know what the principles that it's you know it's sold on, if you want to use that that, that phrase, um, is resilient enough to stand up to to what we're experiencing right now. Not when you see the sort of um, possible increases in energy costs. And as you know, yes, we've got the six month protection. We don't know what will happen at the end of that or quite how extensive this provision will be. But also staff, as you mentioned, getting below inflation increases. I don't think I've met anybody who governs who doesn't want staff to be paid um, uh, fairly and, and well. And it's taken this cost of living crisis really to get any sort of increase for example for for teaching assistance you know we really should be paying those people um uh, more than we do currently and yet um actually balancing a budget under these circumstances is incredibly hard and the, the word you use going concern absolutely right that that now enters the sort of common parlance because trusts do have to be signed off by their auditor as a going concern. And yes, you can have a deficit budget in your budget for a little while if you've got sufficient reserves. But we know some trusts are talking about those reserves being eaten up by these additional costs at at present. So um, yes, I think this probably is the the biggest um, issue in the new ministerial entry and as you say it's pretty common um, agreement right across the sector I don't think I've come across anybody who really has a different analysis from the one that um, you've you've both just just given and and you also mentioned the effect of cost of living on on families and on pupils that's something you know since well before covid let's face it i think we've always been concerned about the gap of attainment for um less uh well-off pupils but um that's something that's um increasing um concern isn't it Mm, absolutely and I think um, you know it, it, it's crazy thinking about it now it's just a couple of years ago um, as as the kind of the, the pandemic um, uh, broke out you know we, we were all worrying about the the impact um, that was going to have and here we are kind of facing something you know arguably more more um, uh, uh, d- damaging in, in lots of ways, and obviously it's all tied up in in, in each other. But I think um, uh, you know, I think everybody's everybody's worried. I think everybody wants wants to um, do their best to figure out a way forwards. And I think 
you know, you, you were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, the one thing that doesn't change is governing boards are there as as a, a as a, a constant source of support for their their leaders, for their teams. They're there to drive forwards that ambitious vision for their organisation. Um, and I think that let's let's be honest. I think that that's getting harder to do as as a result of the the situation everyone finds themselves in right now. So that's a really good um, place to end some with a thank you to all our listeners who do govern and who volunteer um, for better and, and, and for worse. And we know, you know, there's a lot of good you um, that you appreciate in what you do, particularly those engagements with school, with the people, with the with the with the pupils. But we can't pretend that it's an easy um, uh, gig uh, right now. So thank you. You. That's what our evidence is showing, that people are sticking by it, um, that people get that governance bug quite often and 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 keep governing. And that is um, incredibly important, not just, you know, not just for, for, for us as NGA to, to, to say, but actually for the sector as a whole to to appreciate. But also it allows me to say, please do get in contact if you've either got stories to share. Um, so, for example, we have been um, collecting views um, about how trust should be regulated. That's been really helpful and we'll be reporting back to you on that very shortly. But we're also collecting information about how the funding situation is affecting your school or trust because that makes the argument so much better that when we do meet with ministers, we're not just having a moan, but we are really confident um, about the evidence base that we've got and that we have solutions that we can put put forward but on a whole range of 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 issues obviously last time we spoke about send that remains um a an incredibly um important issue um, for the dfe to to tackle and tackle with some urgency and the issues that we just touched on earlier about staffing staff morale staff um workload um leadership uh recruitment um do do stay um, in touch. We'll certainly be passing your views on to the Department for Education, but also they're incredibly important for us when we're developing, whether it be guidance or whether it be um, uh, training uh, material, e-learning um, material, that two-way communication. Uh, so please, I hope to see you at some of our um, events this, this term. Thank you for listening.